Amen. Ordinary time, extraordinary days. We're looking at a text this morning that is very similar to Psalm, Psalm 23. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 34. It's the verbs of God, the good shepherd. And I'm so excited. When we, when we read the call to worship this morning earlier, Mindy captured my imagination out of Psalm 100. There's a line in there that says, enter with the password, thank you. Enter with the password, thank you. That's a great way to enter into the presence of God, always, with a thank you. Even, even those times when we just really aren't feeling it. And perhaps, especially in those times when we're not feeling it, enter in with the password, thank you. So this, this morning is a refreshing look into another shepherd text, and it's very appropriate on Christ the King Sunday. Now, I know when we start talking about shepherds and sheep, it's a little bit of a stretch for our modern sensibilities, especially those of us who really have never lived on a farm or been in an area of the world where there are a lot of sheep. We have stories that we can relate to. We have pictures and images that are conjured up in our, in our minds. But it is a bit of a stretch for us. I mean, when I think of a shepherd, I think of a shepherd that, that really just, well, cuddles sheep. You've seen those pictures of Jesus, the shepherd, cuddling sheep. Well, it seems so sanitary. It seems so clean when the reality is sheep aren't that clean at all. And uh, they remind me of my bedroom when I was a teenager. It was just a mess. Sheep are dirty, they're smelly, they're waste-laden, they aren't that cute and cuddly, yet that's an image that we have of a shepherd. But back to the reality of what it was like then, sheep were dirty, sheep strayed, sheep used the restroom, and yet the shepherd was there. Now, the other stretch for us about shepherds with our modern sensibility and this romanticized version of what shepherds actually do goes something like this. Shepherds not only protect and cuddle their sheep, they also fend for them. They protect them. In Psalm 23, the shepherd is armed to the teeth with a rod and a staff to ward off invaders. So in our text this morning in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 to 16, and then skipping to 20 to 24, we find God is the good shepherd in this text. And I'll read it in a moment. But it's almost as if God says to all of us, hey, stand aside, shepherds and wannabe shepherds, I'm going to show you how to really be a godly, good shepherd. Okay? That's where we're headed in our text this morning. This truly is a loving, patient, protecting, seeking, gathering, ever-present, rescuing, and saving shepherd. So let's read the text I'll try to point out all these different verb forms. If you have your Bible with you, feel free to take out a pen or a pencil and just underline all the verbal actions 
of this shepherd. And then I'm going to lump them together in about six key verbs because I think these are some of the good verbs of God, the good shepherd. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 34. So notice this. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. Again, hey, everybody step aside. I'll show you what I mean by being a good shepherd. I myself will search for my sheep. I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. Here's another verb. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pasture and on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep. I'll have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search. I will search for the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will the shepherd the flock with justice. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. There were bully sheep. I will save my flock. They will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend to them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be the leader among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. My friends, the reading of God's holy word and text this morning. Did you notice all the verb forms in there? They were just scattered and littered all throughout. All the different verbal forms, the things that God the Good Shepherd does on our behalf for us, all people, all places, all times, part of the flock the community of faith, the believers of God. Before I dig into these key verbs, as I want to group them into six primary verbal forms, I want you to do one thing. This morning when Mindy called us to worship, she asked us to recall in our minds what it is that we're bringing to our gathering together. Recall in your mind what you brought with you to this service of worship today. Will you do that? Will you call it to mind? Will you hold it up? 
Will you honor it? Will you, will you look at it? Will you embrace it? Because now let's see how God the Good Shepherd may address, may address what you're holding up as the thing that you brought with you this morning. The following are a few verbs of God the Good Shepherd, and they encourage us on this Thanksgiving week. Notice, first of all, that God the Good Shepherd is the one who seeks all the way through the, the text. God seeks, seeks, seeks. God looks, looks, looks. God seeks all the way through. Are there times in your life where you wonder whether God's there? Might be right now. Might be a relationship. It might be a financial struggle. It might be a difference of opinion. It might be between partners. Might be between family members. It may be a heaviness of heart in a medical diagnosis. It could be something difficult that is weighing heavily on you regarding your parents who may be elderly or your children who may be younger. Is it safe to go out? Is there one United States of America? The list is long and the list is large. So certainly, we've all had times when we wonder whether God is actually walking with us. Is God actually there? There's also times in our lives where we may just not be feeling it. We may actually be thinking or feeling like we're straying or walking away from God, going further and further from the presence of God in Christ, further and further from the cross in our lives. You know, I was thinking about that exact dynamic this week. Think with me for a moment theologically. You know, theologically, we say God's everywhere. We don't understand the depths of the mystery, but we believe it. It's part of our faith. It's kind of doctrine and dogma. So if God is actually everywhere, and I feel like I'm walking away from God, isn't it then true that if God is everywhere, even though I'm not feeling close to God, and I may be acting or feeling like I'm walking further away from God, I'm actually walking closer to God because God's everywhere. We can't hide from the God, the Good Shepherd. <laughs> Why? Because God, the Good Shepherd, is constantly seeking, looking for us. Even when we think we're running away, God's running towards us and we toward God. The profound mystery of faith is always ever-present. And we learn that in this text, which could be another Psalm 23 replacement, I might add. The second verb of God the Good Shepherd that I heard in our text this morning is God rescues. God rescues lost sheep. The least of these, the last, the lost, the excluded in our culture and society. And God does this out of a deep sense of love and compassion. And it's not just God, the Good Shepherd, that rescues. It's not just the pastor as good shepherd. It's all of us. The whole church rescues the whole neighborhood. All of us rescue one another. 
It's part of our missiological challenge and charge together. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really easy to send shoes to kids half a world away in developing world countries. But it's an awful lot harder to go right next door and help the children learn to tie their shoes. Earlier this week, on Wednesday, I had the honor and privilege of officiating at a burial service for our friend Fred Pierniakin. Went home to be with the Lord. Fred's one of those guys that doesn't want accolades, even though I'm going to give him a few right now. Didn't want to be noticed. Might even be, well, rolling over in his grave as an expression right now. Fred lived most of his life in a country that was searching and wondering where shoes for children could be found, and he came to faith and needed to fled, he fled that country for fear of being a Christian in an antagonistic place towards Christianity, and he came to the United States homeless himself initially, completing a college degree and a master's degree. He was a mathematician at Cal State University. I don't think I ever saw Fred when he didn't have blue jeans and a polo shirt and a rope for a belt. Fred was quiet and unassuming, but he was always inquisitive and filled with faith. Fred didn't really care that much about theology. Fred cared an awful lot about solidarity with the homeless and feeding people that did not have food. You see, Fred was one of these guys that understood it's really easy to send shoes across the border, but it's a lot harder to feed the homeless and help kids right next door tie their shoes. You remember Fred's vehicle? I think when he bought that car originally, it was probably, or that van, when he bought it originally, it was probably gold. But the sun in Southern California beat down on it so much, I think it turned it tan. I don't think I ever saw that van empty. It was always filled to the brim with food. Fred was the kind of guy who took out the middle seat so that he could bring more pizzas to people. Fred understood that God the Good Shepherd not only seeks but rescues the lost, the least, the last. And he did it right next door. Just like God the Good Shepherd does. Thanks, Fred. We'll never forget you. You can dance now and have a good meal as well. The third verb of God the Good Shepherd is this God gathers. Did you hear it all the way through the text? Gathering. They were scattered all different places. The good shepherd gathers, brings them in, brings them back into the fold, to the community. And it's an interesting theological shift in this text. And I need to point this out because this is imperative for us to understand. 
this gathering act of God the Good Shepherd did not demand repentance by Israel first. I'm going to say it again. This gathering dynamic of God the Good Shepherd never required Israel to repent first. This notion that God the Good Shepherd gathers is without any requirements by the Israelites. In other words, you don't have to be perfect to be gathered and brought back in. God doesn't care about perfection. God cares about gathering you back in and bringing you back in. I will gather you. We'll worry about repentance later. Is the power of this text. The Israelites in the text are passive recipients of the promise of God. God's promise transcends repentance. God will do this whether we repent or not. That's why Jesus went to the cross. <laughs> it was required. We'll worry about repentance and sanctification and wholeness and health later. Forget about works righteousness. Let's gather people. Because that's the way God, the good shepherd, rolls. Ready for the fourth verb? i got to keep rolling because i got six of them. Fourth verb of God, the good shepherd, is that this God, the good shepherd, always provides. What are you holding up? Is it being the needs of that? Are the needs of that being met today? What you brought in this morning, are they being met in some way, shape, or form? Because this God, the good shepherd, provides, notice, provided food, clean water, health, a place to lie down in green pastures that weren't polluted by you and I. Notice what's on this simple list. Food, water, health, rest, restoration, spiritual healing, soul food in a land that was clean. A profound prioritization of simple essentials. Fifth verb, number five, the fifth verb of God, the Good Shepherd. This God is ever-present. There's never a time when this God doesn't exist. There's never a time when God's not. Last week, if you remember, in the beginning, God. In the end, God. And every place in the messy middle, Emmanuel, God with us. God, the good shepherd, is ever-present all the way through. In the First Testament, it was David. The text says, David will be my shepherd. Well, you know, David did the best he could. Come on, man. He was just a guy. Had a couple glaring frailties. The text says David was a man after God's own heart. Welcome to the human race, David. No judgment here, though. Notice, no judgment here by God the Good Shepherd because God the Good Shepherd is about gathering and providing and seeking and rescuing. We'll worry about repentance later. 
It'll come. It'll happen. What are you holding up? Is the Holy Spirit of God speaking into that baggage this morning somehow? And then after David, of course, there comes Jesus, the best example of a shepherd on our journey together. God with us in the messy middle. Emmanuel. We see the love of God and the care and concern of Christ with us and for us in a manner that is ever-present. No matter where we are, no matter who we are, Jesus is always looking out for us as members of His flock. Even when we feel like we failed the most or we're depressed or we're, we have cabin fever like nobody gets, we want to scream, let me out! And the final verb of God, the good shepherd, this God, the good shepherd saves. Just saves. I may have told this story before. I'm not going to apologize because it's one of my all-time favorite stories. And it is a true story. In 1987, there was a pilot named Henry Dempson. He was about 47, 45 years old at the time of this incident. He was on a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. Henry was the main pilot. He heard a really strange noise in the rear of his small commuter aircraft. He turned the controls over to his co-pilot and went back to check it out and investigate. When he reached the tail section of the plane, he started to look around. The airplane hit an air pocket, jarring him off his balance, and he crashed into the back door, and that's when he realized what, what was going on and what was making that sound. That door was improperly latched before takeoff. He was tossed against that door. It flew open. He was instantly sucked out of the airplane. The co-pilot, in charge now, saw the red light, radioed in. I think my pilot just was sucked out of the airplane. Send a search and rescue helicopter for him. He radioed the nearest airport. He requested permission to make an emergency landing. After the plane landed, after the plane landed, 10 minutes later, 200 miles an hour, they were flying at about three to 4,000 feet. I read it again last night in the LA Times. They found Henry Dempsey hanging on to the ladder outside of the airplane. When the plane landed, Henry later said, I had to hold my head up off the ground so I wouldn't hit my head. It was only 12 inches above the ground. Miraculous. What a save! The airport officials, the rescue workers, the ambulance, first responders, took them several minutes to pry, to pry his fingers off the ladder. Later, Dempsey said this. 
It was as if God put his hands over the top of my hands to save me and me alone. Things in life are turbulent right now. But God, the good shepherd, God, the good shepherd, addresses in predominantly verbal forms everything that we bring into his presence. in a way where God seeks, rescues, gathers, provides, is always present, and always saves. And it's never, ever dependent upon our action first. God is the initiator. We are the recipient. And that is why we enter into this place with the password. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's pray. It's not normal right now. There's nothing normal about anything. And even when there's normal again, it's not even going to be normal then. That actually sounded like a Dr. Seuss book. But that's not true, God. Because there's one thing that never ever changes, and that is that you are God the Good Shepherd. That will never change. And for that, the password this morning is thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, thank you.